Welcome to Capital Considerations. This is Tony Roth, the Chief Investment Officer of Wilmington Trust. We are at episode 58, which seems remarkable that we've gotten that far along into our journey. And we have arrived at a fascinating podcast, which I think you're going to want to really listen to this episode, particularly if you're in anything other than Generation Z, because this is really for the newbies among us to really understand and for the rest of us to grasp the threads and try to figure it out. And that's the metaverse. We've got a great guest today. And we're going to really delve in and try to understand what the metaverse is and what consequences it may have, depending on where it goes for the economy and markets and other things. So really cool topic. And we're really lucky to be joined by Andy Sewer. Andy is the editor-in-chief of Yahoo Finance, where he oversees all editorial content from breaking news to original video programming. He was previously the managing editor of Fortune and spent nearly three decades at Time Magazine. Andy's a regular guest on MSNBC's Morning Joe and CNBC's Squawk Box, and is also the host of a weekly podcast called Influencers with Andy Serwer. Andy's podcast focuses on industry trends, macroeconomy, and, and all kinds of things that are viewed through a business lens. Andy specifically has been following developments in emerging technology, and he's had a personal interest in the metaverse for years. He knows lots of people in the tech community, executives, um, and others that are really plugged into sort of the future state of online communities. We always say on this podcast that we don't make, we're not making any recommendations to buy or sell any stocks. And I'm going to take the liberty to say that you're not making any recommendations here to buy or sell any stocks. So I wanted to um, start, Andy, with the whole idea of the metaverse. You know, I think of the metaverse as basically the internet with goggles. <laughs> and um, I don't know if that's sort of what it is, but the, you know, the implication is, you sort of interact with people, not just by, by typing, but by seeing avatars, seeing digital environments that you can sort of move within and, and it almost sounds like a video game. So let's start with that, Andy. What is the metaverse? Well, first of all, Tony, thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. Delighted to be number 58. Um, <laughs> a special number. Hope to do it honors. Yeah. So um, you're not wrong when it comes to the metaverse that it is and it's a good starting point. It's the Internet with goggles. So there's a couple couple ways to look at it. Uh, first of all, really, the metaverse is kind of the next mega phase of the Internet. It's it's emerging of the physical world with VR, virtual reality, AR, alternative reality and XR, which is kind of all kinds of different realities. It's kind of a catch all R XR. And it's just beginning to revolutionize the way we interact, work, and live and do commerce. It really is kind of an extensive online world that transcends individual tech platforms where people exist in immersive shared virtual spaces. And for instance, through avatars, people will be able to try items on available in stores or attend concerts with friends just as they would offline. And the metaverse is going to require a lot more computing power and tools and code not created yet, but that's all happening. So there's that. And then one other thing, we can go into this in more detail, but it's also sort of this Internet 3.0. So if Internet 1.0 was Microsoft and Intel and Cisco and Oracle and those four horsemen of the Internet, we're old enough to remember 1999. And then Web 2.0 is, you know, the Internet with Facebook and Google and Amazon, this is now Web 3.0, which is sort of bringing it to a whole nother level. 
So it, it sounds like a big deal when you frame it that way. And whether it's because people are overreaching or probably more likely, I'm just a dinosaur and I can't really appreciate the reality of what's happening. It sounds to me like I, I'm skeptical. And so let's pick an example. So attending a concert with your friends in the metaverse, what does that mean? Does that mean everybody's at home and they've got goggles on and they're sort of in this fake concert or maybe even a real concert, but they're not there? Or does it mean that they're all there, but they're interacting and experiencing it in a different way uh, or all the above? Let's get into some examples because none of that sounds appealing to me. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, well, the answer is all the above, um, number one, and I'll get back to that in a second. As far as your skepticism goes, 1,000%. I mean, you should be just incredibly skeptical. This is also very, you know, the real change your life stuff is probably pretty far away. I mean, it's always this way, though, Tony, right? Like, oh, self-driving car is going to happen next month. No, not going to happen next month. Maybe it'll never happen. I don't know. Electric cars happening right now, happening. 25% of Americans say they would strongly consider getting an EV right now. And change always happens really, really slowly, and then it happens really fast. And a lot of this stuff is not going to pan out, and it's kind of not appealing, right? But there are a lot of use cases and situations which would be appealing. But so let's get back to this concert situation. A metaverse concert experience is never going to replace a real concert experience. That's your starting point, right? Like, it's not going to like, oh, there'll never be any concerts anymore, you know. But there are a lot of instances where you can't go or that it's just not an option to go. And in that case, I mean, we're already seeing, you know, concerts, of course, that you can watch live, right, on the Internet or concerts you can watch on TV or concerts that are live in movie theaters. Opera's done that way now. But what if you could actually be there in sort of an immersive 3D way where you could feel the music pulsing your body or sitting next to your friends in a row of seats and you're high-fiving each other? And that's why movie theaters will never die, because it's the shared experience of seeing a movie with other people. And it also is possible that people will have concerts and they won't tour. I mean, Ariana Grande has done a concert in the metaverse with her avatar and people liked it. It's just something different. Again, it's not going to replace a real concert by her, but it's an extension. And if she can do a real concert, say in Madison Square Garden in New York and get, you know, what is it? 20,000 people in there. But then there's a whole bunch of other people who can't go from Saskatchewan why shouldn't they be able to go, maybe not pay the same ticket price, but pay some price to attend? So there's a lot to unpack there. So let me say that in my own defense, <laughs> that I own two EVs. And mm -hmm. you know, when I went to law school, I would spend a lot of time in the basement on a computer on this thing called the World Wide Web, which at that point was basically a news feed and a very rudimentary messaging environment. There was no email, right? It was the very rudimentary, it almost looked like dot matrix on the screen. So I'm an early adapter. I feel like I'm usually open to these things, but uh, on this one, I just feel like it's inherently unappealing to try to replace real life with some type of ersatz experience. But I will tell you that I have two daughters that are teenagers and they spend a lot of time talking to parents about young people, young adults. And I hear a lot of, a lot of kids 
are more comfortable interacting with their peers in a digital environment than in person. Or they sort of, you know, they even sort of date online for a long period of time. And then there's a lot of hesitancy to even get together in person. So even if it's not a good thing, I could see how this could be a big deal. Let me ask you, as a real specialist in this space, what are the kinds of things that you personally would want to use it for? Um, right. What would, you know, what's appealing to you? What would you do? Was, is it only to do things that you couldn't get to? Well, first of all, Tony, I have to say I'm kind of more in your camp than your kids' camp, which is to say a lot of this is not so appealing to me. And I think a lot of the behavior that younger people are exhibiting is frankly kind of alien to me. And frankly, you know, concerns me a little bit in terms of how much time young people spend online. I hate to sound like one of these kids today, people. Maybe that's inevitable for an older person. So I'm a little wary also of my wariness, right? In other words, like it's always a thing where older people are like the behavior of younger people is like wrong. And whether like the Beatles are it's unbelievable, these people with these haircuts. You know, you don't want to be one of those people. On the other hand, you know, if people are sitting in a dark room and staring at a screen all day and communicating with strange people and they don't know who they are, I think it's very legitimate to call that into question. Now, having said that, you know, let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater. That doesn't mean it's all bad. That means it bears watching. It bears really understanding because it is really, really different. And I'll get to your specific point about question about what, what I like to do or would like to do, because it's more like would like to do than am doing right now. But, you know, getting back to young people and behavior, there are a, a lot of platforms which are sort of already moving towards the metaverse that are kind of metaverse-like specifically the digital game platform Roblox. Second Life, which has actually been around for a while, is another platform, which is a virtual world. And then, of course, maybe the granddaddy of them all, which is Fortnite, which is a game. But it's not just a game or games. It's a virtual world. And, you know, that's actually where Ariana Grande's concert was. But there's commerce there. And there's a tremendous amount of interaction between avatars. And actually, let me just back up for one second here, because I know this is hard to wrap your brain around. And I will tell you the single best way for you to wrap your brain around the metaverse, and it's a very easy and extremely palatable and fun way to do it, is to watch the movie Ready Player One, okay, which is a movie that actually Steven Spielberg made in 2018, a little bit ahead of its time. And it's a movie about young people in the metaverse. And, you know, it's boy meets girl. It's all the Steven Spielberg tropes and all that. But it really shows people getting into the metaverse and what happens and what could happen. So uh, I highly recommend watching that movie if you're curious about this subject at all, because it can really explain it. There's one, the original novel about this called Snow Crash from 1992 by Neil Stevenson, where he coined the, 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 the phrase metaverse is another thing if you're a little more serious and some other stuff I'll get to in a second. So. As far as what I'd like to do, you know, would I like to experiment with a concert? Sure. Would I like to experiment with shopping, Tony? Yes, I would. How is the metaverse going to help you, you know, versus seeing a photo on the Internet? I mean, are you going to be you going to have like sensors on your fingers? Are you going to be able to sort of fake touch it? And in my case, can I put it around and see if I gain too much weight in the last month or two and see if it actually fits me? It's the getting there. Or... They, 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 there are sensors. There are, you know, hand sensors and body sensors to feel that stuff. And believe me, you know, that stuff is only going to increase going forward. 
But the other thing to think about too, Tony, is that your avatar will try it on. You'll be doing it with your friends. So like you and me could go shopping at J. Crew together in the metaverse and try on whale belts together. Now, you might say that is like the last thing in the world I would ever want to do, particularly with Andy Serwer. There are other people who think that stuff is kind of cool. Again, think about kids, right? It's kind of a fun thing to do. And it's like, what a waste of time. Well, is that really any more of a waste of time than Tony and Andy watching the Celtics game? Like, what's more of a waste of time? It's your leisure time. Now, I'm also blending in commerce and fun. And believe me, the people in the business of commerce love that fun is getting blended with commerce. The other thing is, if you're in a game like Fortnite and you start to win stuff, you get tokens. And the tokens could get you discounts for the whale belt. Okay. And so, again, a lot of this is theoretical, but believe me, you know, there are big companies right now that are mapping this stuff out. And it is a little bit around the corner and over the curve, but it is definitely on product roadmaps for companies um, and, you know, skunk works, et cetera. So, when you talk about skunk works, right, and the timing on all this, you know, take, for example, the idea of full self-driving or level four autonomy, which basically means you can take a nap and the car drives itself. You don't even need the steering wheel, really. It's actually pretty hysterical. You can go back and go onto YouTube, right? And you can watch videos of Elon Musk for the last five years in a row or six years in a row saying, this is the year that they're going to achieve level four, full autonomy, full stop, no questions asked. There's just no chance they won't do it. Right. And he says it every year, says it multiple times a year. And I follow the space pretty carefully. And he, they're years away. Okay. They are years away from level four autonomy. There's no one that's remotely close. And so for them to rename Facebook Meta means that they obviously believe in this. But at the same token, what do you think the chance or the risk is that before the metaverse actually achieves outside of the extreme gamers, extreme concert goers, sort of the extreme socially different kind of people than what we grew up with, where the people that just love to live digitally and don't want to have social interactions, which I hope is going to continue to be a smaller minority. What do you think the chances are that this is going to happen, but it's going to happen a long time from now? It's just much earlier than people possibly realize. And I've never even had one of these headsets on. Any new technology, you know, when the first TV came out and then it took 10 or 15 years to get to the point where Tesla could actually commercialize it in scale. Yeah, I mean, I think it's an excellent point. And it's very hard to predict when this stuff, well, even if, but let's just say, yes, it is going to happen or some of it's going to happen when it will happen. But it's also so sort of broad that it's hard to pin down. Okay, so, you know, like I was saying on Fortnite, it's already happening. You know, Oculus is out there. Yes, Facebook changed its name to Meta. And by the way, you're not alone in your skepticism. I mean, you know, like I was talking to Roger McNamee recently, the famed Silicon Valley investor, and who, of course, was a big investor in Facebook, but then became disillusioned with the direction the company was taking and wrote that book, Zucked, about how he thought Facebook has lost its way. And he thinks Facebook changing their name to Meta is a joke, a distraction. He thinks the metaverse is a big nothing. Matthew Ball, who is a venture capitalist and wrote this really excellent work about the metaverse is sort of on the other side and says that he thinks it's very legit. I think that one way to focus this question, Tony, which may be of interest to um, your listeners, 
is really asking about it from an investing standpoint. I believe there is already kind of a metaverse e ETF out there. And well, what's in it? Are there a lot of investment plays? And the answer is not really. Um, you know, like people point to NVIDIA. Oh, NVIDIA is a metaverse play or Facebook's a metaverse play. Well, maybe, maybe down the road, but right now they're not making any revenue from the metaverse. I mean, there's some other other companies, private companies like Valve, Ubiquity 6, Singularity 6, Genvid. Uh, we talked about Magic Leap that people say, you know, are plays on the metaverse, but they're private and they're very speculative. I mean, that doesn't even begin to describe them. Epic Games, which owns Fortnite, I would say is the purest play in terms of of the metaverse and they really kind of do have the metaverse you know operable at this point if you think about fortnite but epic is a private company and has a valuation of like 29 billion dollars but its owner tim sweeney who's the guy who's been warring against apple by the way and he's the guy who's been going up against apple and its um, app store if he ever takes that baby public that'll be that'll be huge although some people have said fortnite has peaked but again it's very very speculative i can't say that well, in 2025, this thing is going to be a home run. I, there's no way. Let me let me just do one more quick thing though, because there are also the B2B applications as well. Like, if you're able to like remotely adjust like controls in an oil uh, rig in a remote area, is it helpful to do this with XR, VR, and AR? It might be. And there are companies that are working on that. Magic Leap, for instance, has become much more of a B2B company than a B2C company. If this thing actually works and is, a, is an experience that people want to have, there's tons of ways to make money. There's hardware play because you need to wear goggles and maybe over time, even other sensors will come into play. You know, you'll put, you'll put little sensors on your fingers. I don't know what, you know, the goggles will emit gases that you have smells, <laughs> right? There'll be a lot of ways to monetize this if it works. But from an investing standpoint, you think about Facebook. I mean, yeah, they have no revenue, of course, from it right now. But given they've changed their name to Metaverse, from an R&D standpoint, got to believe that they're all in on, on developing this. And, and so understanding where the space is likely to lead and who the players are going to be, if it, if it does have success and at what scale, I think is important. Because if you, ha if you have you know, more of a skepticism as I do, then the notion of investing in Facebook may be less appealing, given that they've declared that's their future, that's where their earned is. Whereas Apple has a million things they're working on. You have the guy Apple goggles coming out. They don't use the term metaverse probably, but they use the term um, AR, VR, and essentially it's the same thing, it would seem. So you want to probably, at this stage, not invest in companies that are exclusive to that space or whether it's today or in the future. It's interesting that you're, you're focusing on Facebook because the problem slash opportunity for them. And obviously, you know, they've got some issues in terms of content moderation. They've got some issues in terms of competition from TikTok that's become kind of an Instagram killer, which was supposed to be their big engine in growth. And so maybe it's not surprising that they're looking to the metaverse for growth in a way that the other big tech companies, you know, Apple, Amazon, Google and Microsoft are not. But really, if you think about it, Facebook among the big those big five tech companies is the only one that doesn't really have an operating system. And it's the only one that doesn't have a key consumer hardware device. And the metaverse allows them potentially to displace those 
who do, and maybe it can go even further. I mean, because they don't have a hardware and software problem. I mean, business models and products Facebook wants for consumers are, are blocked by Apple right now. So they want to launch a cloud gaming experience. They can't. Right. Um, they, Apple gets 30%. So the opportunity for economic expansion to gain share relative to the other big tech companies for them and to escape the confines of a platform ecosystem is is very important for them. And you mentioned NVIDIA earlier, it's a Dutch company, no, no developer, specialized um, chips for different things. And just a great track record. Just one of the, the best managed companies, um, in my opinion, in the chip sector, along with Taiwan Semiconductor. But I don't think that they're at a stage now, despite what people are saying, or any of these companies where they have untoward exposure to the metaverse space in terms of where they're putting their R&D or anything of that nature. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. So just to drill down on NVIDIA, and I agree, they've been incredibly successful. And, and they've ridden at least two waves, Tony, that you certainly know about. One is gaming and the super high-end chips for gaming. And the other is crypto, which we should get back to crypto because it's an important like parallel universe here when it comes to the metaverse. So we can talk about that in a second. But with NVIDIA, you know, their CEO, Jensen Huang, uh, was talking last year saying about the metaverse, I believe we're right on the cusp of it. They've created something called the Omniverse, which is a virtual environment. The company describes as a metaverse for engineers. And Huang has also said the economy of the metaverse will be larger than that of the physical world. Now, maybe it's just sort of table stakes. I mean, Satya Nadella also from Microsoft. Yeah, we're, we're there. I mean, you don't want to be one of these CEOs who goes, well, we don't believe in it at all. We're totally not going to do it. I mean, because you sound like a stick in the mud, you might be proven incredibly wrong in 10 years by saying, yeah, we kind of are believe in it. That's important. Now, how much money is NVIDIA actually spending on R&D and on these skunk works we talked about before, Tony? That point specifically, the metaverse is unclear. It, it's probably the case that the most sophisticated chips that they're using are being used by gamers, by the Fortnite audience. So sure, they're making chips for the most high-powered PCs on the planet, and those are being used to enable and engender the metaverse. So sure, they are, but it's not like they're specifically doing that. Although we don't know that. We don't know like oh, is it the case that Fortnite is having discussions with NVIDIA right now? And like, we need this type of chip architecture to enable what we want to do with the metaverse in 2025. It could well be the case. Well, look, I mean, there's certainly lots of really smart people that you've mentioned that seem to be really engaged around the idea of the metaverse. It also seems like a lot of the applications are for extension of gaming. And it's not an immaterial part of the economy, but it's not a big percentage of the economy. So we'll have to see where it goes, I suppose, and, and how it develops. But I guess the one thing I could say, if there's one takeaway from this conversation that I would really emphasize is that the metaverse, you know, the potential and the ultimate impact of it could be huge or it could be not so huge. But it's not something that we're going to know for some period of time. It's not imminent. It's, it's we're at the very early innings. We're not even in the top of the first innings in terms of consumer experience yet. And it's gonna be a while before we have an answer to that commercial question. I think that these investments are either speculative, very, very speculative, or cloaked as metaverse investments and they really aren't. I mean, I would think that that NVIDIA thing might be legit in that, as I said, it could be a powering the way that people access the metaverse. And I, I think that it is something that's incipient, but 
as you say, Tony, maybe a decade out. So, Andy, it's been a great conversation. Are there any corners of the conversation at the stage that we've missed? Just two other points. I did say I wanted to mention crypto. And I mean, if you look at if you look at crypto as sort of a parallel universe to the world of real money, that if and this is a parallel universe to to the internet that's sort of more virtual. They are married and they dovetail a little bit. And so there's a lot of crypto uses in the metaverse and NFT uses, you know, non-fungible tokens. And so there is sort of a nexus of those of those two worlds. So that's point number one. And point number two, there's a ton, and this is going to be a big issue going forward. You could do a whole another podcast on this, of ethical questions when it comes to the metaverse and oversight and moderation, because this is an area where people are going to rely a lot on machines, a lot on algorithms. And we've just seen time and time again, particularly over the past 10 and five years, that these are not infallible systems. And they really, really need human beings to operate with software to have the best solutions for human beings. I hadn't even considered the ethical aspects of this, but just at a minimum from a privacy standpoint, anytime we interact in a digital environment, anything that we do can be recorded, our likeness can be appropriated. And, you know, maybe that's an opportunity to to do a um, digital token, a um, uh, spacing out of the name. What are they called again? Non-fungible, non-fungible tokens, yeah. NFTs, yeah, NFTs, excuse me. Which is another topic that I'm highly skeptical about over the long term. What do you think, Andy, about the, you, know, you hear these anecdotes very early, very early metaverse stuff where someone built a, 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 a virtual city, you know, it's essentially an intersection between the metaverse and NFTs, not non-fungible tokens. And so, someone's paying, you know, a million dollars for a house in the metaverse next to, or within the context of some desirable um, location. I mean, what, how does that strike you? It's so funny you should mention that. I was having a conversation uh, not long ago with Barbara Corcoran from Shark Tank, who, of course, is you know one of New York City's famous uh, real estate moguls, I guess, if you will, very successful person. And she knows real estate, right? And so I was asking her about this. I said, you know, like, I saw someone bought the house next to Snoop Dogg's house in the metaverse. Right, that's what I had heard. For, for that million, like dollars, million dollars for it. That's they what you some. And I was like, come they on. It's some that, stupid amount. Right, is that really? And she goes, well, you know, it's like it's, it's, a, it's a digital neighborhood, you know, and it's legit and it's for real. And I was like, come on. And so she said, listen, Andy, I just bought a zoo. I just bought a virtual zoo. I've always wanted a zoo. And I bought the Central Park Zoo, a virtual. They, they put it up for sale, bought it for, for an auction. And I was like, so wait a second. So we could set up a fake Hamptons and buy, I could buy like a house next to Steve Schwartzman's house. And she goes, yeah, so you could set up a house and buy Steve Schwartzman's house. I mean, it's all kind of, it's kind of unfathomable. And I think there is like, uh, King has no clothes issues here. Greater fool sure. issue here for sure. It's stupid money if you do this. On the other hand, you know, some crazy thing's probably going to work out. I mean, I, I was talking to this artist, Beeple, who sold his an NFT for $60 million, a piece of digital art. And in this transaction was in uh, Ethereum, you know, it's in crypto. And I said, wow, $60 million of Ethereum. What, what did you do with it? And he goes, dude, I converted it to U.S. dollars as 
fast as I could. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> and, uh, um, and and I said, that was smart. And actually, while he was doing it, the price of the, the, the exchange went up and he, he was $6 million to the good because the trade took too long. Yeah, so I guess that example where someone had paid a million dollars for a an NFT, which represented a house next to Snoop Dogg. Yeah. Effectively, what they're buying is they're buying access into a private chat environment or but more broadly, a private living environment or some kind of call it private environment. They're buying access to that. That's right. what they got. I mean, and if it's really the case that like you could interact with Snoop virtually, your avatar and his avatar could interact and you like, dude, come on over and have like a beer. Let's have a barbecue in the backyard. Come on over. I've got some friends and you're doing this whole thing virtually. I think that would be pretty funny. Okay. I'm actually not going to go out to LA to actually have a real barbecue with Snoop because he's not going to do it. I can't fly to LA. It costs too much money. He doesn't know who I am, but he knows that I bought this house next to him. And like you're having a virtual barbecue with your neighbor Snoop. And then you invite your friend Tony, it's like, Tony, do you want to meet Snoop in the metaverse? It's kind of weird, but it's kind of funny. Yeah, but it's it's kind of um, flawed because <laughs> it's only valuable if Snoop actually shows up. True. One thousand percent. And you know, right, he probably Snoop will can, the first week, but he won't after that. Right. Because Snoop can create a thousand of these houses. Yep. And ultimately, if he likes the experience of interacting in the metaverse, He'll end up getting involved with a, you know, in a corner of the metaverse with the people that he wants to get involved with. He doesn't need to waste his time with people that are going to pay for access, right? That doesn't. Supposedly, the, the answer to that, Tony, is, and I'm not buying it necessarily, is that that's a trust thing. And if Snoop does well, it, he's really supposed to show up. And then, but if he doesn't do it, no one will trust him or believe him again. So the next time he tries it, no one will pay any money for it. I, I'm just saying that's the argument. But unless Snoop's economic model in life is to try to monetize himself through the metaverse, which he doesn't need to do, it would be a, you know, a, a drain and a drag on his living conditions, you should not trust it because it doesn't make sense from his perspective. I'm not going to argue with you. I think it's a really fascinating conversation, Andy, but I think the takeaway is that while some of these really smart and well-respected people are saying that this is going to be the Internet 3.0, including yourself, it's going to be a ways down the road. We don't know what it's going to be. We don't really know if it's going to be significant or how significant it's going to be. I personally believe that it's going to be less significant than the Internet 2.0 was or Internet 1.0. But I do think it'll be significant. I just think it'll be constrained for many years to, to limit it to, to gamers and very specialized areas of life. And, you know, eventually in 50 years, who knows what's going to happen. But for now, for the next decade, I don't think it's going to really disrupt most of our lives too much, but there'll be ways we'll probably all find find ways to participate. You know, education actually is, is an area that really strikes me. You can go to a class virtually and interact with a professor and, and feel like you're learning. I think that's a really cool potential application. The takeaway is keep an eye on it, but I wouldn't rush to invest or even be worried that you're missing out at the moment um, as it relates to the, to the metaverse. So, So thank you so much, Andy, for being here again. Thank you, Tony. Thanks for having me. I really enjoyed the discussion. That was great. Yeah, me too. And I want to remind all of our listeners, uh, WilmingtonTrust.com is where you go to get a full roundup of all of our uh, thought leadership in the investment space, the planning space, and, and otherwise. So I hope everyone's having a great summer. hope this has been interesting. Uh, let's stand by for episode 59. Thanks so much, everyone. 
podcast is for information purposes only and is not intended as an offer or solicitation for the sale of any financial product or service or recommendation or determination that any investment strategy is suitable for a specific investor. Investors should seek financial advice regarding the suitability of any investment strategy based on the investor's objectives, financial situation, and particular needs. The information on Wilmington Trust's capital considerations with Tony Roth has been obtained from sources believed to be reliable, but its accuracy and completeness are not guaranteed. The opinions, estimates, and projections constitute the judgment of Wilmington Trust as of the date of this podcast and are subject to change without notice. Wilmington Trust is not authorized to and does not provide legal or tax advice. Our advice and recommendations provided to you is illustrative only and subject to the opinions and advice of your own attorney, tax advisor, or other professional advisor. Diversification does not ensure a profit or guarantee against a loss. There is no assurance that any investment strategy will be successful. Past performance cannot guarantee future results. Investing involves a risk and you may incur a profit or a loss. Any reference to company names mentioned in the podcast should not be constructed as investment advice or investment recommendations of those companies. Facts and views presented in this report have not been reviewed by and may not reflect information known to professionals in other business areas of Wilmington Trust or M&T Bank and may provide to seek to provide financial services to entities referred to in this report. M&T Bank and Wilmington Trust have established information barriers between their various business groups. As a result, M&T Bank and Wilmington Trust do not disclose certain client relationships or compensation received from such entities in their reports. Investment products are not insured by the FDIC or any other governmental agency, are not deposits of or other obligations of or guaranteed by Wilmington Trust, M&T Bank, or any other bank or entity, and are subject to risk, including a possible loss of the principal amount invested. Wilmington Trust is a registered service mark used in connection with various fiduciary and non-fiduciary services offered by certain subsidiaries of M&T Bank Corporation, including, but not limited to, Manufacturers and Traders Trust Company, M&T Bank, Wilmington Trust Company, WTC, operating in Delaware only, Wilmington Trust NA, WTNA, Wilmington Trust Investment Advisors, Inc., WTIA, Wilmington Funds Management Corporation, WFMC, and Wilmington Trust Investment Management, LLC, WTIM. Such services include trustee, custodial agency, investment management, and other services. International corporate and institutional services are offered through M&T Bank Corporation's international subsidiaries. Loans, credit cards, retail, and business deposits, and other business and personal banking services and products are offered by M&T Bank, member FDIC. Copyright 2022, M&T Bank and its affiliates and subsidiaries, all rights reserved. Private market investments are only available to investors that meet the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission's definitions of qualified purchaser and accredited investor.